Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. I'm excited for today's guest, Joe Apfelbaum. Joe is the CEO and founder of Ajax Union, a B2B digital market agency in Brooklyn, New York. Joe is a business strategist, LinkedIn expert, and certified Google trainer. He enjoys speaking and writing about digital marketing, professional networking, and personal development in his seminars, webinars, and articles. Joe is the author of High Energy Secrets, How to Lose 95 Pounds and Keep It Off, and his latest book, High Energy Marketing. Joe is the host of the popular podcast, The Breakthrough Maze, where he coaches entrepreneurs on how to go from frustration to mojovation. He has also been featured on hundreds of popular podcasts. Joe Applebaum and Robert talk digital marketing. Joe is an expert marketer who specializes in LinkedIn and Google and shares about the power of networking and making connections. He trains others how to find success in their life and business, even while being a father of five. Man, I'm so excited, Joe, that you're joining me today. Thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to chat with you about these important topics. <laughs> All right, Joe, I usually have our guests just share their entrepreneurial journey and, you know, what moved them and, and, and what keeps them going. You know, there's a famous saying, if you build it, they will come. When I started out, I started building websites for people. The problem is nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn how to market those people. I watched my mother struggle in her store in the Lower East Side to try to build her business. And she had a very difficult time doing it. For many, many years, she struggled. Eventually, she went out of business. And the reason she wasn't successful at getting to her goals is not because she wasn't motivated or didn't work hard, it's because she lacked a strategy. So I help people create strategies to be able to grow their business because I believe that the right strategy will save you a decade. That means energy without strategy is a waste of time. So understanding how to be able to create that strategy, working with someone to support you, to build out the right strategy, knowing where you're going is the way to get to where you want to go. Oh, so important. So let's dig a little deeper into, into your journey. Obviously, build websites. Nobody comes. So you, you start focusing on how to attract, how to attract people, how to, how to, give them a brand and a strategy. Um, help me understand that a little bit more. Just Yeah. So when it comes to like, once you have a strategy and you know what you want to accomplish, then what you need to do is you need to start sending traffic to that. You need to start sending traffic through search engines, through social media, through email marketing. And often people are just focusing on the tactics, but they don't have a funnel set up. So at Ajax Union, what we do is we build out their marketing funnel, which means taking people through a buyer's journey. 
So not everybody's ready to buy. Someone lands on your website. They're not ready to buy right now. A lot of people are assuming, oh, somebody came to my website. They're ready to buy. What do you want to order? <laughs> well, that happens with Amazon because they already have an established brand. That happens with eBay, but that doesn't happen with most people's service businesses or companies that are not that need to like qualify a lead. They're not ready to just sell something to you. So you need to educate them. You need to inspire them. You need to motivate them. You need to build trust with them. And you do that with a variety of assets. We call that a marketing funnel. So giving people information, educating them, sending them emails, doing retargeting. So building out all those assets, that whole funnel is really important. And once you build out that funnel, you can drive people from the top of the funnel where they're not ready to buy right now to the middle of the funnel where they're starting to tr build trust with them, then to the bottom of the funnel and eventually they buy. And the way you fill your funnel is through tactics like SEO, SEM, social email. But um, building out that funnel is really important, understanding the difference between a funnel and a pipeline. So for me at the beginning when I started, I was kind of just doing SEO for companies. You know, if you build it, they will come. So I said, you know what? That's not true. So let me make the people come. I made them come with SEO, but then they're like, well, I'm getting the wrong customer. Like, what do you want from me? I'm getting the wrong customer. So I went through this whole journey of going from building it, marketing it, and then strategizing and doing it the right way. Well, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, Amazon as a, as a, as a website, but I, actually, I think Amazon's actually become a search engine for a lot of people. Right. I mean, I need a camera. I go check out Amazon. I need a and even if if I'm if I'm not buying from Amazon, I'm checking for Amazon reviews and checking for the quality and, and pricing. Yeah. And, and so there's so much more that people are using Amazon for. But of course, the convenience of two day shipping and and the expectation. I heard somebody call it primitis. Um, that we all have primitis. We expect everything now in, in two days. and Or same day in many cases. I live in Brooklyn. I could order something and get it same day. I was running this morning in the park with someone and the person was like, I would love to go swimming in the, in the ocean, but I don't have a wetsuit. I was like, well, you can order one. She's like, I don't really want to wait. I was like, no, you can have it delivered the same day with Amazon. And she's like, what? I can't believe that. Yeah, you can order a wetsuit on Amazon and they will bring it to you the same day. So you can go swimming today. Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful, um, which, of course, you know, is is now their their specialty. I, I read an interesting article that talked about some of these um, companies that are creating service, especially through the last two years, are all going going to go away because they haven't been profitable for these last two years but they've been providing these services that everybody likes, right? Like food delivery and, and, and grocery delivery and all of these deliveries right to our door. So we don't have to do anything. Less than 15 minutes. There's a web, there's a company called fridge, no more. I use them a lot. And then they went out of business. <laughs> well, cause it's, it's interesting because all these companies that have borrowed, right. They're leveraged beyond, <laughs> beyond their capabilities and they're not paying, of course, with fuel prices and all these things, they're not compensating their drivers enough to cover $8 a gallon fuel prices. 100%. 100%. Yeah, if you're so, not doing it correctly, it's not going to work. So you have to learn how to be profitable and you have to learn how to build out your funnel and you have to learn exactly what to do. And then, and thinking about nurturing clients, they didn't have a funnel built out. Frisian War didn't have any funnel for me. They weren't hitting me up. I registered, but I didn't get any marketing from them at all. They were kind of just like, selling, selling, selling transactions, but that's not enough. They could have upsold me. They could have sold me membership. There's a lot of things they could have done, 
that they didn't do to generate more cash that they wouldn't have to go out of business. Well, I think about like the mom and pop pizza shop, right? Like just having our little collection jar on the counter that says, Hey, drop your business card in and we'll send you a monthly coupon and, and sending out that coupon at four o'clock in the afternoon. That's a funnel, right? I mean, I'm collecting emails and then I use that to, to send out, Hey, on your way home from work, pick up a pizza yeah. and get 20% off. And it's a way to, to market to that list and continue adding value um, to your list. So that's some of the tactics, right? Obviously, SEO gets people on your page, but having those assets, having that value on your page or being able to add value through your email list. Um, and if you have a high value client, you also want to consider doing networking. You know, for me, it was a lot of marketing, 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 prospecting, prospecting, prospecting. But my best clients that I've gotten, I've gotten specifically as a result of networking. So when you say networking, a lot of people don't even understand what networking I actually wrote a book called high energy networking how to be able to get the right type of clients. And if you think about someone that's going to spend $50, they're not going to ask for a referral. Right. If someone's going to spend 50,000 or 10,000 or a hundred thousand, they're going to ask for a referral. So if you're a real estate agent on the B2C side, or if you're selling software or accounting services on the B2B side, or if it's kind of like both, you're a lawyer, there's a lot of business to be made by networking. And the best networking platform is LinkedIn. Now, you might say, Joe, why is it better than Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? There's more users there. The thing is, LinkedIn has more CEOs, decision makers, and millionaires than any other platform. And also on LinkedIn, you can see everyone's first name, last name, company name, what they do, where they went to school, when they graduated school, so you know their age. There's a lot that you can know about people on LinkedIn that you can't know about them on other people's web on other uh, search engines and also people are real on linkedin think about it if you're on instagram you see a handle you just see a handle that's all you see but on linkedin i see your first name your last name your company name i see everything about you and i see that you're real and i also see everything that you've done on linkedin which is also really phenomenal so that's something that people don't even realize. And the organic reach on LinkedIn is much higher right now than any other platform because there's many more lurkers on LinkedIn than another platform. And the reason why that is, is because, because it's not a, a, a private platform, because like everyone can see who you are, people are less likely to leave like the types of comments that people leave on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook because People don't want to like get hurt personally, so they're not going to write nasty things. So they're not going to write things because most of the things that people write online are things that maybe they wouldn't be saying if it wasn't so anonymous. <laughs> uh, so powerful. So obviously, if you have come from a networking face-to-face -face background, and, and I've just recently made this transition. It took me way too long. Um, built my business face-to-face -face networking You know, in rooms of 30, 100 people and you know shaking hands and, and meeting and doing one-on-ones and now i i'm creating a model on linkedin doing something very similar right and so having a strategy of making connections messaging connections and then following up with you know a, a 15 minute one-on-one -on -one to to learn more about their business learn how i can add value and and i it took a long time to learn that strategy to figure that out and because I made assumptions about digital space versus, you know, face-to-face -face networking. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's why we teach people 
how to be able to do it properly. We teach them how to be able to create awareness, how to build credibility on LinkedIn, and then how to book those, get those messages to book those meetings. Most people have no idea how to do it and they try to figure it out themselves and they do it all wrong. Like you said, it took you a while. And you know, I, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and I see that you're in Littleton, Colorado. Am I right? Yep. And I see that you coach entrepreneurs, you're a podcaster, author, focus on mindset. I see a lot of information about you and I see a lot of opportunities for growth on your own profile. The average CEO has 930 connections on LinkedIn. The average user has 440 connections. So there's a lot of opportunities for you to be able to use LinkedIn in a better way. And I'm happy to give you some tips, but I want you to know that most people are grossly underusing it. They're not using it correctly. And it's not because they don't mean well, it's because they haven't invested in the education. Well, and, and taking the time to, to be intentional, right? So now we're intentional. We make 19 connections a day. We, we send out messages to our first level connections and we're making connections with our second level connections on a daily basis and, and trying to maximize our, our presence on LinkedIn. We're going LinkedIn live once a week. And of course we post the, the snippets from our show on, on LinkedIn, but that's only been the last couple months. So we've, we've gone all in on, on LinkedIn in the last two months. Yeah. And I'm happy to show you, like, if you take a look at my profile, <clears throat> you'll be able to see things that you can do on your profile right away. Like for example, you asked me for my name pronunciation. Now LinkedIn enables you next to your name to have a little icon where you could listen to a 10 second clip. You could have, instead of a profile photo, you can also have a profile video. And there's a lot more that you could do with LinkedIn than most people even know. And that's why we have a really great workshop. So if you go to my LinkedIn page, joelinkedin.com, you'll be able to see a link on my page right under, how, it shows how many followers I have to a LinkedIn presentation where I walk people through the nine steps to be more successful on LinkedIn. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that for sure. Because <clears throat> that's obviously, I know how powerful it is. I believe in LinkedIn. I can't stand the other social media places because it's obviously the, the, the wild west world negativity. And you're a, and you were a pastor for the Valley View Christian Church, right? I was, yes, sir. Nine years and eight months. How do you think I know that? I wouldn't be able to know that if I went to Facebook or Instagram. I know that because I'm I look at you, and on your LinkedIn, there's at least twenty different things I can use to keep to pique your interest if I'm building a relationship with you. I really get to know you much deeper by looking at your profile on LinkedIn than any other platform. So I'm a very big fan of networking and using LinkedIn specifically to build rapport and build a relationship. Oh, I like that. So one of the powerful things that, that I do, obviously you're seeing my story, right? You're, you're pulling out pieces of my story on LinkedIn and the value of story. But I think one of the things that entrepreneurs, especially in the beginning, don't realize what stories are holding them back. And, and I know you've shared a story on LinkedIn that I happen to find on, on LinkedIn um, about limiting beliefs that you had set up when you were nine. So would you mind sharing that story and, and telling us how you changed that story or changed your interpretation of that story for yourself moving forward? Yeah. When I was nine years old, one of the teachers in school called me an idiot. He asked me to get up and read and I couldn't read properly or I didn't read fast enough or whatever it was. And he called me an idiot. And so I sat down and I said, I'm never going to read again. I'm never going to get up in front of the class again. And for the rest of my life, I heard that little voice in my head saying that I'm an idiot. And I kind of always tried to fight it. I always tried to fight that voice in school. As I grew up, I became the class clown. I became the valedictorian. So 
So I kind of like was number one, but at the same time, I made the most trouble because I was always trying to prove that little voice in my head that I'm not an idiot. And so we don't even know that we have voices in our head, Robert. That's what I want to let you know. Like, oh, I'm saying, talking about the voice in my head. They're like, are you crazy? No, everybody has a voice in their head. The people that you think are crazy when they're speaking loudly on the train, it's because you hear the voice in their head because their voice is on speakerphone. It doesn't mean that they don't have it. Everybody would think you're crazy if they heard the voice in your head. Yes, they would. <laughs> so everybody has a little voice. Some of them are sages. Some of them are saboteurs. There's a book called Positive Intelligence. I highly recommend everybody read it that labels those little voices and allows you to be able to not hear them. When you label a voice, you can control the voice. If you think the voice is you, you can't control yourself because that's who you are. And so if you want to detach yourself from something, you got to first label it. And so when you start labeling the judge, if you, stop, you start labeling the things that are holding you back, suddenly you can notice those voices. And if you notice the pain, usually the pain will dissipate and often it will go away, especially if you realize that the voice is an action signal. Pain is an action signal. And so that noise is being made because there are certain actions that you need to take. And for me, I needed to find that balance. I need to find the balance in my life where I don't always have to be the smartest. I don't always have to be the loudest. I don't always have to be the best to have value. I can add value just by existing. And that's something I did not know. I was not aware of because of that wound that I had when I was nine years old. I didn't know that me just existing was valuable in itself, that I didn't have to be the smartest. I didn't always, as you say, add value to life in order for me to have value. I can just be and that for is that's enough value. And when I see that in myself, I'm also able to judge people less. I'm able to also give people my presence and be able to connect deeply with other people and just kind of see them for who they are. And that impacts me by being able to add value to other people's lives by giving them my presence as opposed to giving them a present. Oh, that's so good. I, I really appreciate. I had a similar story was bullied in. And for me, it was it was eighth grade that I finally just I had enough and I made the decision I wasn't going to be bullied anymore in ninth grade and and changed changed my life, changed, you know, and, and I wish I wish I'd remembered that more through my life rather than just, you know, in in that moment now looking back as a as a 50 year old going, oh, oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> look at that transition that I made as a as a young man and and it transformed my life um but didn't put the power of that into my early adulthood which which would have been super empowering <laughs> yeah yeah and when you do that you know like realize that wherever you are is exactly where you need to be so whenever you do that that's the right time they say when when the when the student is ready the teacher will appear it's because that's the truth is like we weren't ready for it yet. We still needed more answers. We still needed more struggle. We still needed to kind of keep growing. And when you're ready for it, you will have that awareness. And often something you need to fall down in order for you to kind of see that there was a hole there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the areas that you also help companies work with is brand and recognizing the, the power of their brand and obviously communicating their brand through their LinkedIn activity, through their LinkedIn profile, obviously through their own website. Um, how important is 
developing a brand and making sure that your brand is consistent across your platforms? Well, if you don't have a personal brand, that is your personal brand. Think about that for a second. A lot of people don't have their LinkedIn set up correctly. They don't have a background photo. They don't have a proper about section. They don't have a proper experience section. And they're like, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to invest money in it. Well, not investing money in your company on your website, not investing money in your assets. That is your brand. Your brand is a person who didn't invest money and didn't make things look proper for themselves. And so if you want to drive around with a broken used car and expect people to trust you, that's okay. Some people will, some people don't care about that, but a lot of people, you know, they say, don't tell a book by its cover. Do you know why they say don't tell a book by its cover? Because everybody tells a book by its cover. That's why they needed the saying to begin with. So I tell people, take care of your brand because it's not going to take care of itself. Just like your teeth don't take care of itself. Eventually your teeth will go away if you don't take care of them. So same thing with your brand. You got to take care of your brand. You got to be intentional. You got to know your competitive advantage. You got to put it out there. And you got to constantly market yourself correctly if you want to keep growing your business. Because if your business is not growing, it's dying. Absolutely. So, so let's dig into your competitive advantage, the, the differentiators, right? I think one of the temptations for people is because the online space allows you, especially the other platforms for sure, allows you to put on a different, put on a facade, right? And some people are really tempted to, to try to be Dean Graziosi or Tony Robbins or you know, somebody else rather than being themselves. So the, the power of authenticity and, and being able to, to have a competitive advantage when you don't feel like you have one. The problem, the problem that people face when they try to be the Dean Graziosi's of the world or the Brendan Bouchard or the Tony Robbins or whoever is that the people that are attracted to you are not your tribe. They're a Tony Robbins tribe. And so what ends up happening is you end up getting people that are attracted to the fake version of you. It's not even who you are. So you're never going to get fulfillment from connecting with people who don't like you for who you are. They just like you for who you're making believe you are. So the key is for you to have fewer followers, but have real followers. You don't need to go viral. You don't need millions of people to follow you. You need the right people to follow you. I always say, if you have the right thousand people see you a thousand times, is much more valuable than having the wrong million people see you a million times. You want the right people to see you, the right people to connect with you, the right people to appreciate you. Not everybody is successful because how they define success is not even based on their own measure. A lot of people are defining success based on other people's measures. So when you start defining success and realize that success is personal, you'll determine what success is for you. And as long as it's smart, specific, measurable, attainable, as long as it's time bound, as long as it's measurable, you're going to be successful because you're going to have something that makes sense for you and who you are. But you have to have the courage to do that because your ego is going to stop you from doing that. The ego is going to start telling you, hey, you need to be like Tony Robbins. You need to have 17,000 people in your auditorium when you're talking. That's your ego talking. That's not who you are. Who you are is looking inside, seeing what you have going on, noticing, like we said about awareness, if you want to grow, you got to look at who you are. You got to find who you are instead of what you do. It's not about what you do. It's about what you're being. If you want to have more in your life, you need to be more instead of do more. So, so good. I mean, there's so much in there. Just the idea of 
the ego, first of all, sounds like another voice in your head that's that's trying to stop you from doing what you want to do or stop you from knowing who you are, right? That that those that sounds like we have multiple voices in our head, but <laughs> yeah, the idea that we can control those voices and we can change the story that those voices are telling us to to work for us rather than against us. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I appreciate you, you you talking about the awareness level, right? That's figuring out, you know, well, what, who am I and and what is the impact I can have on the world? What is the impact I want to have on the world? And I think when you dig down and, and start trying to be more aware, you figure out there's something inside you that was meant to serve the world. And and, and when you can bring that out and 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 feed it, it'll flourish and it'll do great things and it and it will attract, like you said the thousand people that are going to love you. And if you have a thousand people that love you, you've got an incredible following that's going to take care of you and your family for a long time. A hundred percent. And when the, when you're in front of the right people and the right people are around you, think about that for a second, what you can achieve when the right people are around you. Most people are afraid, are afraid to just be themselves. Be yourself because everybody else is already taken. That's the famous saying. Be yourself because everybody else is already taken. So can you be yourself? Can you really just accept yourself for who you are instead of trying to be somebody else, instead of trying to satisfy a ghost? Most people are just boxing with ghosts. Instead of boxing with ghosts, just be yourself and be the best version of yourself. Oh, that's so be. good. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So obviously a couple of things have, have brought up fear, right? Most people are afraid to be themselves. You talked about being afraid to, to read, being afraid to stand in front of, you know, an audience. So let's, let's deal with, you know, fear. How, how have you addressed some of those fears and, and made a transition to be able to go live on Facebook, on LinkedIn and be able to put yourself live on a stage and do the things that your brain is saying, Oh no, this is going to hurt. So, a lot of people don't know this, but I used to be afraid of public speaking. I used to be afraid of sharing my voice. I didn't like the sound of my voice. I didn't like what I look like or anything like that. And what I found was that through a lot of personal development, I had a lot of these beliefs that I wasn't worthy, that I'm not enough, that I don't have anything of value to add. And who the hell am I? And the fact that I even want to share my voice is arrogance. But the truth is, me sharing my story is actually very inspiring to people. When I'm able to just kind of be myself and just share myself, a lot of people get inspired. And so a lot of it has to do with mindset first, 80% of it's mindset, but then 20% of it's also skill set. Because if you're good at something, you're going to want to do it more often, Robert. You're not going to want to do what you're not good at. And so getting really good at something is about learning the skill, and it's also about repetition. Repetition is the mother of skill. So the more you do something, the better you get at it. But if you fear doing it, you're going to do it less. And so networking, building relationships, putting yourself on podcasts, going on LinkedIn Live, interviewing people, having relationships, 
putting yourself out there, sharing your voice, sharing quotes. If you're not reading books, if you're not hiring people and taking courses and going to seminars and going to classes, if you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. If you want to feel what it feels to have spiritual, your spiritual needs met, you need growth. That's what you need, personal growth and also contribution and charity and giving back to other people. That's how you're going to get fulfilled deep down inside because you can buy a lot of things in Walmart and Amazon, but those things are not going to fill you up inside. What's going to fill you up inside constant and never-ending growth, constant contribution and adding value to other people's lives because the secret to living is giving. Oh, that's so good. All right, we're going to dig into that giving thing. So when did you learn the, the power of giving and how has that impacted the growth of your business and, and yourself? I remember I was once sitting down for breakfast with the CEO when we were talking. And I one of the questions I learned from my mentor is like, how can I add value to your life? What can I do for you? And I literally was asking that to everyone I knew. And he's like, I'd like a, a list of people that um, that work in hospitals in New Jersey that have over 500 employees. So I said, I happen to have access to that list. I'm going to give you all the hospitals in New Jersey with all the decision makers. And he's like, oh, my God, that's going to change my life. Thank you. And so I went back to the office and I sent it to him. And then when he got it, he replied to me and he's like, what can I do for you? I'm sorry, I didn't ask. And I said, sure, um, I'm looking to meet sales directors at companies that are growing fast. So he's like, actually, I have one of my best friends works at a $400 million company. He's a sales director and I'm going to ask him if he wants to meet with you. So he asked him and the guy's like, of course, I want to meet with Joe. If you're recommending him, he must be a great marketer. That company ended up spending $2 million with my business. Powerful, powerful, but it's more than just that. It's more, it's, it's just about being present with people. It's about connecting with people. It's about building real relationships. Real relationships don't happen by fly by night, spraying and praying. It's not about showing up and throwing up. It's about following up. It's not about hoping for the best, but it's about really connecting with people and getting to know them. If you really get to know somebody, then you're going to feel connected to them. Then you're going to feel trust. Every single person has value. Maybe some people don't have the same values as you, but all people have values. And so if you find people that match with your values and you build a deep relationship with them, then you have both. You have people that have value and you have people that have your values. And so that's really what I'm looking for is to connect with other people that value creativity, that value curiosity, that value levity, and then value the things that I value so that I can connect with them on a deeper level. When I see your value, you end up seeing my value. Because as Zig Ziglar said, People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Absolutely. So let's take contribution to an even deeper level than, than just business benefit. Let's talk about contributing to the community and, or giving back and, and the ability, obviously, as you build, you know, multi-million dollar companies, the opportunity to serve the community and, and do more good um, with money than, you know, than being broke. <laughs> Yeah, look, a lot of people have money issues in their head. They think that wealthy people are, are, are bad people or that money is the root of all of evil. Money is just a tool, just like anything else, just like your brain. Your brain is not the root of all evil. It's just a tool. Your heart is just a tool. Religion is just a tool. It's all a tool to be able to benefit people and to make a difference for other people. And if it's not benefiting people, then it's a tool that's rotting people, that's ruining people. Ooh, so you okay. need to learn how to leverage those tools like money and the more you leverage it for the good, the more good you can do. The more money you have, the more good you can do. The more evil you can do as well, 
because money can be power. And so take a step back and ask yourself, what good do you want to create in this world? How do you want to make the world a better place? And when you start realizing that you have the power to capacity to make this world a better place with more money, you're going to be made motivated to make more money. You're going to vote motivated to be socially responsible. You have the ability to be socially responsible. Public publicly traded company companies have $12 trillion available for socially responsible businesses for socially responsible for the socially responsible world. There's a lot of money in, in being socially responsible in alleviating world hunger in alleviating poverty in ending the water crisis in the world in ending the global climate crisis and there's a lot of issues going on in the world and if you can figure out how to solve those problems you'll be like elon musk you think about making the world a better place one person at a time could just be as easy as saying hello to somebody did you know that if you walk over to somebody and you wish them a good day or you say hello to them you can stop them from killing themselves absolutely the power of a smile the power of a hello is yeah i think obviously we add value to life i mean that in every aspect of my life that includes you know a chat with the grocery store clerk the guy on the street corner it, i want every person that i encounter to leave seeing me or walking by me better than they found than better than i found them and so that's 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 a goal and so i love what you're sharing there because it touches my heart and and it's really you mentioned it in a, in a pretty cool way there, you know, you have the opportunity to be piling on negative in the world and, and creating disaster, or you have the opportunity to be building up and, and adding value. And it, it, it's really that simple. <laughs> but it does take effort. And I'll tell you why it takes effort. Human beings have DNA that's programmed to survive. And part of surviving is being negative. If you're positive and you're always putting yourself out there, there's a big tiger that's going to eat you. you <laughs> hopping around telling everybody all your information, because if you tell somebody how much money you have or what you're doing or whatever, they're going to want to somehow take advantage of you. So you got to also protect yourself. So it's three times harder to be positive than it is to be negative. So we need to be really intelligent and really smart and know when it's hurting us and when it's helping us. So our DNA is programmed for us to be in responsive mode, in, in reactive mode, and being able to survive. But I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. I want to take my life to a whole new level. That means I need to be smarter than my DNA. I need to be wiser and I need to learn how to use positivity and gratitude in order to benefit my life. And that's why every single morning I think about all the things that I'm grateful for. And I thank God that I'm alive and I count my blessings and I smell the roses, even though while I'm smelling the roses, there might be a saber toothed tiger behind me that's going to eat me. So I might be afraid. But the second I have that fear, I just take a deep breath and say, there ain't no tigers in my neighborhood. And I just take a deep breath and I enjoy the moment. Yeah, that's so. So you are you're speaking my language and, and I'm loving it. Love, gratitude and the power of, of positivity. But the truth is, our culture I mean, 98%, I think 98% of people are, are negative. 98 out of every 100 allow themselves to stay in that negative state. And they think it's normal because it is, it's, it's survival mode. But that too, the, the two of us that can figure out, I can control it. I can choose joy. I can start my day with gratitude and, and I can choose joy. I can choose to be happy is so powerful. And so I want to, I want to pull more people to our side. I want to pull more people to, you know, I want to pull those 98 people over here and say, look, 
look how great it is over here. And it's not just woo woo, right? It's not people talk about the power of positive thinking as if it's just this, this woo woo thing. It's actually changes the chemicals in your brain. It changes how, how your brain functions and it changes what you can accomplish. It's, it really is powerful to start your day with gratitude and to start your day in a positive light and commit yourself to when something negative happens, I'm going to choose to respond positively. I'm going to choose to be intentional, right? I think there's a lot of intentionality in, in, in being on the positive side. Yes. There's a lot of powerful, powerful, powerful intentionality with that. And you know, what I always tell people is you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And often the voices in our head are from different people. And if we're listening to those voices in our head, we're actually spending time with those people. Oh. And so you have to move those people to a different room and focus on the people that are going to bring you up instead of put you down. That includes the voices of those people that somehow they renting space in your head. And you got to get those people evicted as soon as possible and instead bring the right people into your building so that your building can flourish, so that your life can flourish, and so that you could live a life of joy, of freedom, of power, of gratitude, and ultimately of fulfillment and self-expression. Because the one thing that stops our self-expression is judgment and negativity. And so instead of allowing the judgment and negativity to stop you from having this beautiful self-expression, is allow yourself to be the flower and bl blossom. Oh, so good. All right. I was going to dig into gratitude, but you kind of took care of that one for us. So let's, uh, you mentioned mentors. You mentioned you know, some of the mentors in your life. You mentioned some authors as mentors as well. Um, how valuable are mentors and how important is it for entrepreneurs to, to have those, those mentors or where, where would you tell them to get their mentors? I would say that entrepreneurs that want mentors have to think about people that have achieved what they want to achieve. If you find somebody that has overcome a certain fear or ha have built a business to a certain level or have written a book or whatever it is that you want to achieve, find those people and have them mentor you. If someone can only take you as far as they've gone themselves. So think about that for a moment. There are so many people out there that have what you want. Success leaves clues. Go see what they did. Go speak to them. Some people believe that successful people don't want to help other people, but it's not true. Once you get to a certain level of success, the only way you can get to the next level is by helping other people. Oh, so true. All right. You mentioned be, achieve what you want to achieve, being an author and you get your book behind you, of course, in, in the image here. But so share us what the impact of, of being an author has been. So I published five books. And for me, the impact has been tremendous because there's a limited amount of time that I can spend with people. If I have a thousand people in my life that know me, like me and trust me, and I can spend an hour with each person, that's a thousand hours. That's a lot of time. And then, you know, how much time do I have for my kids? How much time do I have for my family and for myself? And so when people want to spend several hours with me, what I tell them is get my book. That's you spending several hours with me and people Sometimes read my book over an entire weekend. That means they spent the whole weekend with me. It's very, very powerful for me to be able to publish these thoughts, these ideas, these experiences, and these books that really help people be able to take their life and their business to the next level. And sometimes people read my books over and over and over because it's so impactful for them. Absolutely. That's super powerful. All right. So the other impact that I think you have is your podcast. And so let's talk about the impact 
the podcast has had combined with the impact of being an author. Well, when you combine the being an author with having a podcast, it's very powerful because a lot of the times you want to interview people, you want to be able to connect with people. And I do that often. I'll interview authors. Um, I'll interview people. I'll do like coaching publicly uh, on with other people that want to get coached, like other CEOs. And I'll put them on my podcast. I won't always publish everything that they say. Uh, because some of the things are personally identifiable and obviously I'll ask permission before I do anything. But a lot of that stuff helps other people. So when somebody listens to a podcast episode that I put out and they get inspired by it, I don't have to go and advise them on the things that I already coached another person on. They could just listen to the episode on that topic and it becomes very, very powerful environment for them to be able to learn with the experience of other people. So the book is powerful. The podcast is powerful. It's also some people like listening versus um, reading. So there's different mediums to be able to hit different types of people on. Well, and you, you mentioned, I think the, the piece that the podcast does that the book doesn't necessarily do is the network and, and the ability to, to create networks with other CEOs, authors, and, and other influencers that, that are willing to come on podcasts like you and I having this conversation. Um, I think the podcasting is a super powerful networking tool if you're choosing to use it that way. A hundred percent. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit for you in, in your life. How, how important is play and fun? I think that if you're not having fun, don't do it. I love, <laughs> I love so it. simple. Yeah. Don't do it. Like if it's not fun, why are you doing it? If it's not fun, why are you doing it? Because you have to. You don't have to. You don't have to get up in the morning. Make getting in the morning fun. If that's your option, if that's your choice of whether it's going to be fun or not, make it fun. If you can't make it fun, figure out a way to make it fun. If you still can't figure out a way, find out somebody else that's having fun and figure out how they made it fun. You got to well, figure out You got to figure out how to make it fun. So give us an example. So, for example, let's say you're, let's say you have to sweep the floor, okay? You're in your house. You have to sweep the floor. The floor is full of crumbs. And you start sweeping the floor and you think to yourself, oh, my God, this is not fun. I hate sweeping the floor. I absolutely hate it. It's the worst thing ever. What am I, a janitor? What am I, some low-level person that's sweeping the floor now and I have to do it and there's nobody else here to do it? Or you could put on some music and you could start dancing while you sweep the floor and make it into a game. And now all of a sudden you're doing certain qigong moves and you're cleaning, sweeping the floor and it's that you're having the time of your life and you're just lost in the moment. And before you know it, the whole floor is sweeped up and you got a beautiful workout and life is great. And you're like, wow, oh my gosh, I can't believe people outsource sweeping the floor. I had such <laughs> a great time, so much satisfaction by making rows of dirt and then sweeping it up perfectly. It's fun. It's having fun. Now, some people might need an edible in order to make it fun. <laughs> Have a drink. Enjoy life. Uh, that's a different level. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, I'm in Colorado, so we were we were one of the early edible <laughs> opportunities. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Colorado made it legal very quickly. Yeah. We won't we won't go into politics. It's just because our constitution's easily manipulable. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. What do you love to do in your free time, Joe? I love to run. I ran five miles today. I like to write. I like to read. I like to play with my five children. I love rollerblading. Those are the things that I really enjoy doing. I like comedy. I like doing improv and stand up. I also like listening and watching shows. 
So those are some things that I enjoy doing on my free time. Nice. So what has been the blessing of building your own business and, and raising your family? I think the biggest blessing is being able to have my own time, being able to decide when I come and when I go and what I do and how hard I do and when I go on vacation and like being the captain of your own ship, you know, like making sure that you know what you want to accomplish and that you know that you can create it. It's not like you're relying on anybody else. You're literally creating the life of your dreams and you're the one doing it. And most people, they don't believe that they can do it. And if you don't believe that you can do it, you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Belief is very, very powerful because results doesn't come just from belief. Results come from taking action. But taking action comes from believing that you can get results. Wow. And you mentioned earlier about the repetition is the oh, I'm trying to master of skill. Repetition yep. is the master of skill and the mother of talent. And, and, and I think repetition is also a developer of belief. And so to change your beliefs, you need to take action and you need to take action over and over and over again until you believe kind of like running. You don't start out a runner. You, you put you on start running out a crawler. And, you <laughs> and, and, and you repeat an action over and over again until your brain says, Hey, I'm a runner, <laughs> right? You probably didn't like running the first time. Maybe you did. So I don't know that I did not. I did not like running. I did not like walking. I did not like moving. I was a couch <laughs> potato. So, so let's talk about that transition of your belief of, of who you were and, and being able to transition that, that belief into I'm a runner. I was severely overweight. So running when you're overweight is very, very difficult because you're carrying a lot of weight. Even just walking to the refrigerator to get another box of cookies is very hard. But we do that because the cookies motivate us. Um, but, you know, like for me, I didn't even think that running was uh, was an option for me. I was like, running? Who the hell's running? Why would you get exhausted? Like, <laughs> like, who runs? Why would? Why is that guy running there? Why is he wasting time running when he could be making money? Because all I saw valuable was making money. I didn't think that running was a thing that would actually give me happiness and create endorphins in my body and have dopamine and like all this other stuff. I didn't know that. I didn't understand the science behind it. And once I started to learn, once I realized, oh my gosh, I got to make some changes in my life. If I want a healthy heart, my heart resting heart rate was above a 60. Now my resting heart rate is below a 50. Now I'm like, 43 or something. Not when I'm talking to you. When I'm talking to you, it's a little bit higher. I'm 72 right now because I'm really excited. Um, but in general, if I'm just sitting there doing nothing or relaxing or meditating, I'm going down in my in my 40s. And most people can't get down there. They think like, oh my God, are you dead? What's going on? No, I have an athlete's heart because I spend 20 minutes at the 160 rate almost every single day. And I work my heart out. I'm, I work with all my heart, as they say. And so I started, you know, I always tell people, if you want to run, walk the amount you eventually want to run. And when it's really easy to walk that amount, it's going to be easier to run as that amount as well. So start with walking. Most people don't even walk a mile. They're like, mile? I'm not walking. That's a mile away. It's a mile away. It's a mile. <laughs> I ran five miles today. People are like, you're nuts. How are you going to run five miles? I'm like, what do you mean how? I just do it. It just happens. It takes me less than an hour. I just make it happen. They're like, it's insane. I can't believe you can run five miles. I can run 50 miles if I wanted to. But most people in their mind, they don't believe they can do it. And they haven't practiced it. They haven't even walked that amount. If you said, Joe, let's go for a 10-mile walk. Happy to do it. 
It'll take me a few hours. No big deal. It used to be very difficult for me. I would get a rash. My foot would start hurting because I just never did it. And if you don't do something often, you're not going to be good at it. All right. So let's go all the way back to that starting point, right? You're overweight. You're on the couch. You, you walk to the fridge for cookies, but you're certainly not putting on running shoes or walking a mile. What transition, what allowed you to tell yourself a different story that, that got you out the door? In my book, High Energy Secrets, I talk about one day I'm sitting on the couch and my kids are playing around and I'm taking a video of them. And then we're watching the video and I hear me, I hear like a huffing and puffing noise behind it. And I'm not walking. I'm sitting on the couch and I asked my kids, my family, I'm like, what, what, who's making this noise? And they said, that's you. That's how you breathe. And I was like, that was like a moment of awareness. I was like, I don't want to breathe that way. I don't want to die. I don't want to die from just sitting. And so I realized that I was extremely, extremely unhealthy and I needed to make some changes. And so I asked my friends, I said, can you guys help me lose weight? And they were all overweight themselves. So they said, let's go to a restaurant and talk about it. And after a few mains and a couple of sides and dessert, I realized I'm hanging around with the wrong crowd. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I asked my wife at the time. Now I'm divorced. But I asked my wife at the time. I said, can you help me? She's like, no, you're a lost case. And so I said, okay, well, that's not going to work. So I was walking down the street. I looked at my phone. I saw Facebook. I posted stuff on Facebook that nobody ever liked and commented. So I said, you know what? Let me, let me post on Facebook asking my friends for help. My friends, right? And so I posted. I said, I really want to lose weight, and I know that I have to start moving. And if you guys like this, I will run one minute per like. And then I wrote, maybe I'll walk one minute per like, but I'll try to run. And then I closed my phone. I went to sleep. And then when I woke up, my phone had 10 likes on it. My Facebook had 10 likes. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I got 10 people to like on something. So then I did it. I took a photo of myself, and I started doing it every day. Eventually, I got 20 likes, 30 likes, 50 likes. And then every day, I was getting 70 likes a day. Uh -oh. Social motivation made me want to start running. And get. And once I started one thing, then I stopped drinking Snapple and orange juice. I started drinking water. And then eventually, I learned about carbs, and I learned about all types of stuff. And that's how I lost 95 pounds. Wow. And, and you built a network. And I built a network of people and a bunch of people that got inspired and many other people lost weight. And then I wrote a book about it and the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, and that's the value of story, right? We are all living a story and people can learn from our stories when we, when we're willing to share them and we're willing to put them out there in a meaningful way that, that allows people to be inspired, allows people to, to grow from our experiences. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All right. So what do you love to do with your kids? I love to do what they love to do. Like, for example, my son, he's 11. He plays Fortnite. I love to play Fortnite with him. My daughter, she likes going to the ice cream store. I like going to the ice cream store and eating ice cream with her. Whatever my kids like to do, that's what I like to do. I like to do what they do. Instead of getting them to do what I like to do, which I try, but they're not very into my things. <laughs> that's totally cool. They're not into like running and all types of stuff. But if the kids like doing something, I will learn how to do that and I will become good at it. Oh, so valuable. All right. You mentioned your morning routine. You mentioned gratitude. Um, you mentioned running. What other routines have helped you? What other routines do you consider, you know, non-negotiables like super important in your life making your bed in the morning <laughs> making your bed in the morning i used to never make my bed i used to say you know my cleaning lady makes her bed makes my bed for me i have people that make my bed when i go to a hotel people 
that the housekeeping makes my bed. I don't make my bed. But then I heard several authors and speakers talk about the importance of making your bed. I heard a rabbi talk about it. I heard um, I heard a priest talk about it. I heard a lot of different people talk about making your bed. And then in business, I heard people talk about making your bed and the importance of it. And so I started making it, it just to kind of see what I would learn from it. And what I actually learned was the power of habit. When you create a habit, like making your bed, it happens automatically. And I started realizing that I have a lot of habits in my life that happen automatically. When I wake up, when I go to sleep, what I reach for in the grocery aisle, all those are just habits. And so if I want to improve my life, I got to improve my habits because the sum of my habits is my character. So if you really want to be able to take your life to the next level, you got to take your habits to the next level because nobody has that much willpower to fight the automatic programming that they have in their head. And so I rewired myself and I make my bed every day. I made my bed this morning. I don't even know. I don't remember making it, but I, just like I remember locking my door. I don't remember. I, I just like I don't remember putting my seatbelt on. I just do it. I put the blinker on. I put the seatbelt on, put the blinker on, and I'm, I look at the mirror. I don't think about doing those things. Those are habits and they happen automatically. Now, the first time you do it, it feels like, oh my God, I got to do this all the time. This is crazy. <laughs> it's taking up all your resources. But eventually, once you learn the power of habit, it changes your life. Well, and you recognize that you can intentionally change it, right? I think the challenge is so many people feel like their lives out of control. And, and I mean, 95% of our decisions are made by our subconscious. And if we're not intentional about programming our subconscious, like you talked about earlier, those five voices you're listening to in your head are voices of other people that you're allowing to control the choices that you're making all day long, like getting up from the couch and going to the fridge. You did it not because you wanted to, you did it because it was a habit. Habits control us. <laughs> the automatic programming control us and they make us who we are. Absolutely. I love, I just love how you shared that you changed, change that first habit in the day and, and make that a habit, just like brushing your teeth is a habit, right? I mean, hopefully for most of us, because <laughs> if you don't keep your teeth, you don't brush your teeth, you won't keep them like you mentioned. Um, so, so important. <clears throat> All right. What inspires you, Joe? Butterflies. Awesome. Because a butterfly needs to go through a lot of pain in order for it to become beautiful in order for it to have wings, in order for it to fly. Otherwise, it's going to be handicapped. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. So a caterpillar needs to sit there and rot and get into a shell and then kind of climb out of that shell and work really, 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 really hard to get out there. And then eventually, it just it just happens. Eventually, it just happens. That's so good. All right, Joe, what's your big dream? Be able to dance at my kids' weddings, be able to play with their grandchildren, to be able to be present just like I am. That's awesome. All right, Joe, you spent the last hour with a group of entrepreneurs listening and, and sharing. You want to leave them with Joe's words of wisdom. What would you share? What I would say is be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Have the courage to find your wounds and leverage them to find your weaknesses and find the opposite of your weaknesses, which is your strengths. Every weakness that you have has a strength associated to it. 
and use those strengths to not just help yourself, but help other people. Make a difference every single day because when you start making a difference for other people, you're going to start growing yourself and be able to take your life to a whole new level. You'll be able to not just have success in your life, but also deep fulfillment inside. And that's what we're all looking for. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone. And I'll see you on LinkedIn. Don't forget, go to www.joelinkedin.com to check me out. Joe, thank you so much. Appreciate you. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Cassie Hanushek and Robert talk about branding and vision. Entrepreneurs need brand alignment that communicates their message consistently and effectively.